If you find yourself in a situation where like that text one, you know, you get a text and you're not excited to spend time with that person and it's continuous. Uh, you don't find yourself feeling that it's 50, 50, you know, you, you, you think to yourself and you go, man, the only time I hang out with this person is whenever I make an effort, but I don't ever see it the other way around. You know, that could be a point there to either look at an ending or look at a hard conversation to reorganize the relationship. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Preble Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. everybody yeah welcome to this episode on friendship breakups i have a conversation with a colleague juan santos and this is a topic that happens to a lot of people but we don't talk about it we don't talk about how friendships are so vital and what to do when they end you know because there's kind of like this expectation that friendships should be easy for all of us. But when they end, uh, it could be just as difficult and sometimes even more than a romantic relationship breakup. You know, and a lot of times uh, friendships end without a process, you know, without some closure. A lot of people just grow apart, but they don't have a closure conversation as we might do in romantic breakups. Sometimes people feel guilty or ashamed that they couldn't make it work. And also a lot of times we have mismatched expectations with our friends. And these expectations are different in a romantic relationship. You know, we, we don't know what the terms of the breakup is. There can be a lot of confusion about, you know, what happens and what that means when you have a friendship breakup. You know, are you still planning to communicate in certain contexts? Are you open to see each other in group settings or out in public? And what happens when you do? And also, there's definitely a grief process that could be very unexpected when it comes to ending friendships. So we kind of dive into this subject, Juan and I, and I also want to tell you a little bit more about Juan. Juan is a licensed clinician that helps people reclaim their lives and build healthy relationships. He owns a counseling practice, Santos Counseling, located in Greensboro, North Carolina. And Juan loves coaching people through journeys of self-discovery and uncovering creative ways to become their best version. He is the author of various books, Life Without Stress, Rebuilding Us, A Guide for Healing Your Relationships After an Affair, and Couples Workbook, Making Your Relationships Work. Juan was born in the Dominican Republic, and he lives in Greensboro, North Carolina, with his wife and two kids. And you can find more about Juan on the show notes. So we have a remote conversation. Juan is in Greensboro. I'm in Asheville. Okay, so here we go. Let's talk about it. Friendship breakups. My conversation with Juan Santos. Why can't we be friends? 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 <laughs> All right. Thanks, Juan. I really appreciate you wanting to do this with me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to, to roll through this conversation. Yeah, it's our first time having a conversation. And I really appreciate you contact me. And when we kind of brainstormed and thought about what would be a good topic, boy, the topic of 
friendship breakups. That's, that's a really good one. And both of us being therapists and couples therapists, we, we run across romantic breakups all the time, but people don't really talk about the fallout of platonic separations. Have you ever had friends come to you to work on their, on their relationship? No, you know, and it's, it's an interesting one. I, I get curious if it's more of one of those that, you know, you just let it die and fall off over time versus, you know, that romantic relationship where it's in your face and you see all over the media and movies. And so you, you got to face, you know, you got to face the person and have the conversation of breaking up. But with platonic, you know, we, we don't see that as common. Yeah. I wonder what it would be like if more friends, you know, went to couples therapy when they had more difficulties or, or even, you know, you and I talked about how important endings are in, in a relationship and friendships a lot of times don't end well. Um, they end a lot of times like romantic relationships m might end. So it's, there's a lot to that, especially the grieving process. Um, what do you experience with uh, friendship breakups around grieving? I think that only comes natural with it, right? You, you've got, you know, you got these relationships you build and we build relationships with everybody, you know, intimate partners, friends, your neighbor, you know, person you just run, run and see at Target. Next thing you know, you're getting to know them. And, and with that, we devote time, right? We devote energy. We let them get to see the real us. And this person has walked with us through life. And then we get to that point where we go in different directions. And, and I think grief can come with that. I, I know that I feel there's friends that I, I remember having when I was a kid. And now, you know, even as an adult, I can nerd out on some things. I like collecting Pokemon, playing video games. And I think about those friends. So I think it's only natural to feel that grief. You know, that one's, a I think, a healthy version of grief where we can kind of go in the opposite direction if a friend, you know, closes that branch and says, hey, I think I need to go in a different direction. Then that can you know, hit us with maybe some denial there. Yeah. Denial, even uh, the aspect of rejection, because if we're on the receiving end of a friend not wanting to continue a relationship, there's a lot of questioning that we do. And, and just like I think in a romantic breakup, there is kind of some blaming and not really taking accountability and, and looking at it. You know, it's interesting. We hear the, this this phrase, you know, best friends forever. You know, that that, yeah, that, that BFF bullshit, right? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's kind of like, you know, we expect this person to always be around. And that in, in reality is people connect in, in a particular time in our lives. Some of us have long-term relationships. I'm, I'm really fortunate that I have long-term male friendships from when I was like five years old and 10 years old. I still oh, I have man. like five. Yeah, it's great, man. I have like five friends that I, I still uh, talk to. I talk with almost weekly on my drive home, you know, from Detroit. And, and yet, you know, there, there is one particular one that I had a long time ago that um, it's hard of thinking I no longer have been in contact with this person. And am I, am I keeping just the past alive? And anything come up for you about when people are in friendships or maybe in your own life of sustaining a friendship from the past, but not in the current relationship? Mm, so like, are you speaking of their finding that space to say this friendship has like reached a really beautiful ending and then now we both have to move forward in different directions? I'm contemplating that I'm on my own. So I'm, I'm fishing a little bit of like that. Yeah. It's like, yeah. How much of the relationship was 25 years ago as opposed yeah. to, and you don't even know like what my 24 year old son is up to because you haven't asked in, in 15 years. Right. So like that kind of people like to keep things alive from the past. And I think, you know, for me, and I don't know if this is in, in your life too, if I'm reminiscing more about the past, and not so much about what's happening in our present relationship, hmm, there might be something too, whether we're still compatible. Yeah, something to look for there. You, you know, I think when it comes to like us as people, you know, humans that walk this world or walk through this earth, if you will, not to get too philosophical, but we naturally grow, right? And we grow and we move forward and we move forward with our values, with our goals. So we, we find friends along the way. 
And it makes me think about when I was in middle school, I had this friend and we would game out, play video games and our goals aligned. And then we found ourselves in high school where our values started to kind of go in different directions. You know, there were certain things that I really I needed in my life, uh, cultural things that didn't align with theirs. But I, I was still, you know, now, you know, not then, then I had a rough time going through it. You know, I'm thankful for the journey that friend, you know, that they walked with me in. that, you know, even though they were silly video games, it's something that I'm able to reminisce and said, I really appreciated that. And it helped me during that time. But then when it comes to ending, often endings take place because our goals just don't align. Yeah. Was that a conscious ending or did it just kind of evaporate on its own? That was a conscious one. It was a rough one. I'm from Dominican Republic. Uh, my skin's brown. My hair's coarse. Uh, so, you know, you could look at me right away and, you know, make a pretty good guess. But you look good, brother, man. I like looking oh, at you. <laughs> yeah, you got a good looking beard going. You got a nice beard and everything. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> and, and then during that time, I went to a predominantly uh, Caucasian school. So there, there were certain cultural clashes there to just led us in different directions. Uh, and, and for me, that, that was, that was tough, you know, just not understanding, you know, how something like that could play with people, if you will. So, so that, that was, that was certainly a tough one. And I, and I think that's where it comes in with, you were saying earlier rejection, because I felt rejected. I thought something was wrong with me for, you know, us to not kind of continue in that pathway. I'm curious, was there any, is there a cultural difference with, with friendships in the Dominican Republic as you find in here? Is there a different bonding or different cultural rules around friendships? From my understanding, and I, I came to the U.S. when I was right at almost seven years old and traveled back several times, but there's a deep like blood bond with family. So, you know, there's like sayings, you know, family first, family over everything. They're not just silly. You know, they're ingrained sometimes where it could even be unhealthy. You know, it could be, hey, this person's an asshole. And then, you know, family members are like, look, it's family. Just, you know, disregard the asshole. So, no. So, you know, that's where, you know, there's obviously some conflict there. But I think when it comes to your question, there's a deep connection within family systems, uh, with building friendships and seeing that develop into uh, long-term relationships. Mm -hmm. yeah. in, in your work, Juan, do you, you know, it's interesting because a lot of times that when I'm doing individual therapy, many times people will talk a lot about their friends, you know, so they're talking about their friends and, and, and relationships and women seem to have a different kind of adult bonding in their relationships with other women than I think men do. I think, I think boys do well with their adolescent bonding. And as adults, most adult men have a more difficult time trusting other men on a deeper emotional level than most women do. Most women really want their, their friends there from an emotional level. And us men have more challenges around being vulnerable on that. Do you see that also or? No, I, yeah, I, I see that same way, you know, beautifully as you wrote it. And, you know, I think maybe that connects to machismo, that connects to, you know, the, the timeline of men, men being uh, protectors, if you will, you know, don't talk about how you feel that shows weakness, um, all these negative notions and signs that were taught to us as men that, you know, leads a 10 year old who's open to talk about how they feel to a 30 year old who keeps their mouth shut because they feel that that's going to make them look weak or less than when in reality it shows, as Brene Brown says, you know, vulnerability, it shows courage and strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know that so many women partners that I talked to, they want their men to have uh, friendships because they want to take the burden off of the relationship. You know, they want to say, like, get, get some of your needs met by some of your male friendships because our relationship can't take that burden if you're always looking uh, for me to that. And I think that men have a more difficult time in that way of like trusting or thinking that it's uh, okay to invest that time unless they have had long-term male relationships growing up and they continue that. That's at least my experience. Like, I find that I can make a male adult friends easier because I've kept my relationships through of men throughout my life. 
I think that men that I work with have a harder time if they didn't do that early on, they have a harder time doing that when they're more uh, elder in their adult years. Yeah, and no, I certainly agree with that. You know, having that exposure, you know, early on, teaching our kids, you know, to see, you know, dad hanging out with, you know, another male and diving into conversations, it, it lets us see that it's doable, it's feasible, that, you know, it's, it's a beautiful level of uh, being a role model. So I, I certainly see that taking place. You have boys, right? I have a boy, yeah, a little boy, oh. Alex, uh, oh. and my daughter, Nola. How old are they? Uh, Nola's six, and then my son, Alex, he's four. Do you feel that they pick up on your friendships with other men? Is there a way that I uh, know that my son would feel closer to these men energetically when he felt that I was close to them? He was trusting them because in some way he felt me uh, being trusting of them. Yeah. And, you know, I try to make a conscious effort. Uh, I grew up in, you know, what you may see as like, you know, your typical Spanish household where it was family and mostly just family gatherings. So I didn't really see my parents hanging out with friends. You know, I didn't see them going out like that. And now growing up, my wife, she's Caucasian and she saw something very different. You know, she saw her parents hanging out with friends and with family so it's interesting bridging that gap between those two cultures. And I do try to make a conscious effort to have my kids around, you know, whenever friends are over so that they can see that it's okay to talk or to communicate or to share how you feel. And then maybe afterwards, my daughter, she's a little bit older, she'll comment and say, what were you talking to blank blank about? And I'll say, well, I was telling them what happened today. And just to kind of open up, same thing you were doing, you know, open up that space to say, hey, this is a safe place that you can build with your friends. And I think most adults, again, they, they don't do that uh, friendship breakup well, and their kids experience like, hey, why isn't Joe coming over anymore? We haven't heard, we haven't seen Joe in a while. And most people are like, well, you know, we're not talking to Joe anymore. And that's it. They don't really uh, go through the process or I'm not saying the kids have to witness that process, but to be able to have them understand that people come in our lives for different reasons. Maybe there's parallel growth. People grow closer. They grow apart. There's aspects of logistics when people move away and they're not as close in distance. And, and I don't hear a lot of people because they, they themselves have had a hard time with the breakup that they're not being able to really express and accept some of those breakups. So when, when you see friendship breakups, what do you, what do you see as, as, some of the main reasons why people are disconnecting and, and breaking up in their, in their friendships. I think, you know, I think it varies. It goes in different directions. Um, you know, one can be that you're, 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 you've got a roommate, right. And you've lived with this person. They're your friend and it's platonic. And then they share with you that they got a job in a whole different state and, you know, you're staying and they're going and the relationship reaches, you know, uh, a sense of ending. And that could be extremely hurtful because you may feel so alone, you know, in that apartment by yourself. And maybe that friend was, you know, you, the person that walked with you in life, who you talked about, you know, what was happening and your goals and aspirations. So I think there's that avenue. And then there's also, you know, the ones that can be a little bit darker where, you, you've got a relationship with a friend and it reaches a toxic level that you find yourself looking at your phone and you get the text from them, but you're uneasy. You're like, oh shit, I got to hang out with this person. And, and I mean, that's, that's your gut, right? That's your gut telling you that it's reached that state where we need to trim up, do spring cleaning, if you will. I found that term interesting, spring cleaning when it comes to uh, friendships. Yeah. That's probably a telltale sign, right? When when you're avoiding, when you see that person's name or the text come up and you want to avoid it, like that's a telltale sign that there's something going on. Like either you have to address it and try to clean, like you're saying, spring clean what's between you or that is part of the maybe the slow death that uh, needs to get a, a quicker cut. Yeah. You know, what's interesting though, it's like, you've got these friendships, right? And I think we all have them where it's that person that may be a friend of a friend or a friend of your partners. And you're like, damn, I got to hang out with this person or, oh, I'm not looking forward to it. 
and, and it lingers, right? It lingers on there, like that piece of repair in your house that, you know, for weeks and months and years, you got to do, but you haven't done. And then there's your romantic relationships, right? You got your partner. And typically when there's an issue there, let's say like betrayal, it won't, it doesn't linger. You know, you go and you schedule an appointment with a counselor or you say, Hey, we got to go in different directions because we're not walking in the same journey of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. A lot of times we don't, you know, we didn't do a relationship 101 in school and we, we sure didn't do friendship, you know, relationship 101. So a lot of times we don't know how to work through that kind of healthy conflict if it feels like a betrayal or there's conjecturing and expectations. Because a lot of friends don't really talk about, are we meeting each other's expectations? I mean, how many, I, boy. I can't really recall some of my friends I'm doing like, Hey, let's do a state of the union of our friendship this month. Like, when did you feel closer to me? When did you feel farther apart from me? Was it, is there anything in between you and I right now that needs clearing? As I say this, I'm like, shit, man, I need to do that to some of them. You know, that, that would be, that would be really nice. It would be. Hopefully at some point, you know, I think that's where like generational patterns come in that, you know, we're trying to implement these new strategies and ways of living and thinking that hopefully, you know, our kids and their kids at that point are having a different conversation. I, I can't remember what book I read recently where that was a recommendation. It said, you know, gather your friends and from time to time have a conversation that focuses on values and are you supporting each other to meet each other's goals and do you feel that you're present for one another and then my reaction was like yours i was like well shit <laughs> who's having these conversations right relationship 101 yeah exactly and i think you know there's some difference of course between a romantic and, and a platonic relationship and for me with with friends i want to make sure that the the positive interactions way outnumber the negative inter interactions. Of course, we need to do that in our romantic relationships too. But if I'm hanging out with a friend on a regular basis and more of the times that there's negative interactions, that's a telltale sign too, that it might be time to, to call it quits a little bit because friendships are really meant to be enjoyable. They're not supposed to be anxiety provoking and, and a lot of tense. Friends are there for a lot of support, a lot of good interactions. And I think people sometimes stay in relationships much longer because they feel almost like they got to do their romantic relationship and, and, you know, really struggle through it as opposed to, you know, it's, it's just not working. Maybe we tried a few things or, but there's a lot more negativity than, than there is positive interactions. Yeah. And that was a very good point, you know, to be able to identify that, when we spend time with friends, it's almost like this conscious effort of I'm going to hang out with blank friend for a good time, a fun time, a self-care time. Mm -hmm. yeah. what, are, what are some of the things that come up for you about if somebody, if you had a client that said, how do I know if a friendship, is, it's time for me to take the initiative to, to break up and because sometimes, again, I think people are reluctant to, to trust themselves. Like, you know, I tell people, hey, if there's little contribution to your life, you know, in this relationship, in this friendship, uh, you have to really look at that balance. Uh, what are some, some other things that, that you would tell people about to really evaluate if the friendship is, is serving them? Yeah. You know, I, I think if you find yourself in a situation where, like that text one, you know, you get a text and you're not excited to spend time with that person and it's continuous. You don't find yourself feeling that it's 50, 50, you know, you, you, you think to yourself and you go, man, the only time I hang out with this person is whenever I make an effort, but I don't ever see it the other way around. You know, that could be a point there to either look at an ending or look at a hard conversation to reorganize the relationship. If you find yourself where there's dishonesty, you know, uh, dishonesty within that friendship, you know, they're saying things that, you know, aren't consistent. They're not showing up in the ways that they should. I, I do think though, it's important for us to also look at brief versus long-term issues. You know, let's say you have a friend and, you know, things are going great, but then you find yourself for like a three month period and they're in the shades, in the shadows, you know, you don't hear from them. Well, maybe they're going through a divorce, right? And they're just gathering themselves up 
So that could be like a brief, you know, issue where your friend's kind of, you know, not present for a while, you know, versus long-term, you know, long-term, you consistently notice that they, they don't show up for you in the ways that you want a friend to show up for. And, and that's something really important to look at. You know, how do I want my friends to show up for me? How do I want them to support me? How do I want them to be there for me? And you get the gift to define that, you know, you get to say, I want them to show up for me in blank way. And then you meet those people that will volunteer and be willing to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good for people to have the intention. There, there's a certain amount of expectation, but also the intention of what they're willing to create together. And uh, to know that's like a boundary in some way. This is the, the way I'm willing to have this person in my life. I, I like that. You know, it's, it's interesting too, what, what came up to me when you were talking and one of the things that when I glance across my relationships, the one thing that I'm really fortunate that I do not have is jealousy and, and around competition. You know, my friends don't one up when I have a win, they really want to celebrate it. You know, they, uh, there's no biting jealousy. Cause I think that could be a sign that your friendship isn't chalked up to what it's supposed to be. You know, I want friends that when I have a success, like, you know, Sure, there could be some, you know, banter back and forth, but most of the time it's very, very encouraging. And I feel that even if they don't have that in their life, but they're so great, grateful and appreciative that I am having that in my life. Those are the friends I, I know that are, are deep friendships as opposed to some of them that I can feel on the surface. They're having some jealousy and, and competition running there. Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, I think that even ties in with why a person is in your life. You know, sometimes we'll meet people and, you know, we may call that person a friend, but then you may find yourself just reflecting on what you shared or maybe thinking, is this person here almost like a leech? You know, is this person here to benefit from maybe the resources that I have or the relationships that I have? And again, you know, just like you shared, those are signs that, are, are there for us. We just kind of have to, we have to take a, take a step back, slow life down, almost like the matrix and figure out, you know, are things flowing in the way that I want them to. Yeah. And I think when we use some past relationship that wasn't working past friendships, we've got to really learn from that to, to not repeat that, you know, cause let's be real. If, for instance, if someone wants to be in your life, they're going to bring something to the table, you know, and, I hear a lot of times people say, you know, I give a lot more to the friendship and, and I'm not really getting whether it's, you know, the, the quality that the person is putting in or even the quantity. I'm the one that always has to call to get together. It's like, okay, I have you laid that out for your, for, for your friend that, that you no longer want to do that. And you want that person to step up. And if they're not willing to step in that way, then in some way, you know what their priority is because people behave where their priority is, even though they want to do something different. And to not repeat that pattern of being taken advantage of if you're the one that's constantly giving in your relationships, but you're not receiving. Mm. You know, that, that's so, you know, there's there's so much truth, for, truth to that, yet there's like this weight, and, and maybe I'm the only one that feels it, but there's this weight that makes it so difficult to confront, you know, that friend and, to, to be able to have that conversation with that fear of their behaviors are exactly what you thought they were, right? Their behaviors mean that they do not prioritize you. They do not want to be the type of friend that you wish and hope that they would be. So we don't confront yeah. it. We, we leave it there and let it linger. Yeah. I wonder if it's some of it, I'm thinking about with myself, I think some of it when I don't want to confront that because I don't want to hear it because instead of thinking, well, you know, man, that that's just them, you know, that as opposed to, ooh, and that means me. That means that there's something about me that's not mm. good enough or something that I'm doing. And sure, I need to take a, a real good assessment of that. But if there isn't, if it is them, I got to give it to them. I got, I can't take that on. And I know, as you just said, that there is a heavy way to try to confront that, that, that fear of rejection uh, or the fear of being a failure as a friend if, if that person feels that and, and we need to speak to that. So yeah, there is a heavy weight of that part of 
potential conflict. Yeah. I think with friends too, you know, as we build relationships, we're learning how to interact with one another and getting to know, you know, the person beyond that superficial conversation. And as you get to know someone, you get to understand how they build friendships and what they've learned through life and their upbringing. You know, we're not being like a, you know, a psychoanalysis here for our friends, but what we're learning and we're growing. And it could mean that you have a friend where if you have a deep conversation with them, they may say, you know what, I'm good with you reaching out two times a year. And I'm, that's a great relationship for me. And they just maybe your, you know, your definition may not align with that yet. The relationship from one perspective, is fine. Uh, so, so I think that's important too, that sometimes we miss. Right. Yeah. And I think, you, you know, you're, you're right in some way of even that it's okay to have, and people I think know this, but to have certain commonalities with certain friends, no, nobody is going to fulfill all of our needs. I've got a good buddy that I've known since I was two years old that we connect through sports all of our life. So I, on my drive home, I call him up. I'm like, all right, man, give it to me. I haven't, I haven't seen any highlights. I haven't heard anything. <laughs> Tell me what's going on in Detroit. And, and he'll just go on. <laughs> I don't do that with some other friends. Some other friends won't give a shit about sports. Yeah. And so I think it's also, you know, knowing where, uh, where people can fit with us and our different interests and be okay with limitations and not expect. And that's why I think sometimes people get really disappointed when they only have that one person in their life that they want to fulfill all those aspects of, of uh, commonalities. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm sure people are listening and going, you know, I have that friend that's here for me in this way or here for me in that way. I had someone I worked with in the past and they found themselves in such a difficult you know, situation when their friend reached out to another friend to support them. And I don't want to give too much detail, but basically just to support them, right? And we got into this deep conversation that fit exactly what you just shared, where it's like, well, what if that other friend, you know, had that superpower that supported your friend? You know, do you love your friend enough where you want them to have the best level of support? And then they were, they were like, yeah, you know, I want them to have the best level of support. And I was like, well, maybe, you know, you're able to support your friend in X way. And that other friend is able to support your friend in Y way. And then you are able to give your friend the space to choose, you know, which direction they want to go in. Yeah. To, to have that as such a selfless, selfless aspect of if you really love and care about your friend, you're going to want them to find those other support and, and resources. And, and again, that's maybe a little bit about like that jealousy thing. Cause I remember there was one time I'm like, Hey man, I, I wonder like, why wasn't I chosen as the godfather, you know, as opposed mm-hmm. to, okay, somebody else in this person's life was chosen. I want to support that person to, to make their decisions, what they think is best in their life and, and trust my friend to make those decisions and uh, know that I'm also, you know, creating a special place or they've created a special place for me in their life. And so I think some of that aspect is like you say, trusting, you know, your, your friends to, to make some of those decisions that's, that's best for them. And, and I also, what's coming to my mind is around privacy or, you know, a lot of times uh, friends like to keep, you know, Hey man, I want to tell you something, but don't tell anybody, you know, and Mm, I I see in my own life where I've seen it, where, you know, the breach of trust around that for, for friends and how that creates a lot of havoc when, Hey man, I told you not to tell anybody. And you say, yeah, man, but you know, my wife isn't anybody. I got to tell her everything. And, and so I think there's, there's ways to have compassion for when we are asking for something without really knowing whether that our friends are capable of doing it. Cause it's friends. We instantly want to say, sure, man, I'll do that. As opposed yeah. to step back and go, wait a second. You know, I don't know if I'm able to do that or don't ask me before you tell me, don't tell anybody, tell me first and then ask me not to tell anybody. And I'll tell you if I can do it or not. Cause I think we regress back to that earlier friendship when we wanted that that one best buddy that we could tell all our secrets to, and they would, would protect us from everybody. Yeah. That's, that's very well said. Yeah. It, it goes right into what we want versus giving ourselves space to process and to think, you know, can I handle this? Am I able to, 
all of those really pertinent questions. Any offerings for people about if there is a split that was uh, maybe a long time coming and there is going to be hurt and loneliness, ways to either get closure or to move on? I think it's important for us to acknowledge that each of us walk, you know, in a journey, you know, each of us go in a certain direction. And sometimes we meet people, you know, it could be a friend or a a BFF, a best friend uh, for life. I think that's what it stands for or forever. One of the two. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we may find, you know, you may find that you're at this position where you're going in different paths, you know, they're going left and you're going right. And, And you don't want that to happen. So then comes in that level of hurt, you know, the level of rejection, And I do think it's so important for us to sit there and give ourselves self-compassion for a while and not just skip over and say, well, you know, screw it, whatever, but to actually give yourself space to feel whether it's that you, you know, you write a letter that you you never submit, but, you know, you put into an airplane, throw it into the water, some sort of therapeutic release. And then you look at giving yourself permission, you know, to say how you showed up for that person and, Allow yourself to to find space to be thankful for that person to have been, you know, able to be in your life. Sometimes we forget that it's a choice to be in someone's life. And when someone chooses to spend even five minutes with us, I mean, that is a beautiful gift. And it's important, you know, when we're ending a platonic relationship to say, you know what? I was given the gift of five years with this person. And how has that helped me? You know, I... You know, well, shit, I'm kinder now. I'm more supportive. I learned how to do this and to do that. What can I do with those skills? Maybe you can carry those on somewhere else. Uh, I think if you have the strength and the skill, it's important to have a conversation with that person. Maybe to figure out how did it get here? You know, how do we learn from it? Uh, and, and maybe what you can do next time in a different relationship. Uh, because platonic and romantic relationships do have similarities, you know, we can learn from our mistakes and learn how to uh, do them differently uh, or avoid them, if you will, in the future. Well said. Yeah. I, I'm also, what came to my mind is I, I also help people when they break up with a, a romantic um, partnership that they're still in the same city to rehearse how they want to be when they might see that person in public and so forth. And I think that that's really good also for friends. You, you know, what you're just saying is like, keep that person in a positive light and remember the gifts so that when you do see that person, there's not the part of avoidance. There could be, you know, a part of just mm-hmm. appreciative that, that you just see them, that you wish them well. You don't have to spend 15 minutes with them. But I think like that's important because a lot of people have anxiety about, I, I never want to see this person again. And, uh, and boy, if they, if you were friends, unless it's this, I know betrayal is very, very hurtful. And, you know, if it's a, if it's a really, um, deep, deep betrayal, it's like, take care of yourself. If you need to not avoid that. Okay. I understand that. But there's something about not getting friendship gun shy, you know, in the aspect of not being afraid to, to start new friendships and, knowing what it is about sticking your neck out, like just like dating, you know, you got to go back out there in some ways you got to go back out and trust. Yeah. Yeah, I think at times when we, when we have this platonic relationship and it ends in a way where there's, you know, hurt uh, and and maybe you find yourself in situations that you're like, I can't let anyone else in my life, or, you know, you struggle to be around that person. You know, I'd be curious if there's like a sense of struggle to forgive, you know, or resentment. And when I play with those two words, um, maybe because I have young kids, I think about Mickey Mouse. And there's this movie where uh, I think it's a Christmas Carol where Goofy has these chains on him and the chains are connected to the past. So whenever we struggle with resentment, when we struggle with forgiveness, it's almost as if we are restricting ourselves from being present in the moment, from giving ourselves the gift to have the very best life that we can. And an example of that would be if you're, you know, you're saying, you know what, I, I just can't have any more friendships because I don't want the same thing to happen. You know, what, what we're doing there is we're restricting ourselves for something really beautiful. 
you know, we're not letting ourselves off the hook when we're holding on, you know, whether it's, you know, I mean, forgiveness, as we know, forgiveness is for us. It's not, we don't forgive yeah. somebody. It's like, when I forgive, I let myself off the hook because I'm the one that's better. There we go. Right. And I think that's, I hear that's what you're saying too, is like, don't restrain ourselves from the gifts of, of what we can experience. No, you know, take our ownership, our responsibility of what our part is. But there, you know, I've heard this saying, and I love it, that relationships have a lifetime. They could be two days or they could be 50 years, but they all have a lifetime. And we have, we need to accept, you know, before that we can also let go, you know, part of letting go when people say, I'll let go of it. I'm like, ah, yeah, I don't think you let go of it. You know, you got to first come to acceptance and acceptance does not mean that you like it. And you just have to accept that this is the way it is. And sometimes we have to accept also the way that we have behaved that's maybe not aligned with our own integrity and we have to own that. And sometimes it may be too late because we caused more strife and discord and that person has their autonomy to, to not be in our life. And so we have to also accept how we behaved and take the ownership and let ourselves off the hook. Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, one that can be difficult, letting ourselves off the hook. Sometimes we we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves with the idea that it's helping when really it's, it's limiting us from moving forward. I like that point that you made too, with, you know, relationships have a life. Cause I think everyone has had an experience of someone where that person is no longer in your life, but you are, I mean, you have some good thoughts when you think about that person, it could be a role model. It could be someone that you sat next to at the airport. You know, it could be someone at a grocery store that you spoke with with five minutes and something was developed there. Something took place there that it left a mark. It left a tattoo on you. Until this day, when you think about it, there's good feelings, good thoughts. It's a good effect. Yet, it reached a necessary ending. And you were okay with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's so interesting is because we have this uh, legality around divorce. You know, people know when there's a mark in time in a romantic relationship. If they're no longer together in a marriage, there's a procedure that's called a divorce and there's a finality, even though there's a whole process emotionally to, to get there. We don't have that in this process of a, of a friendship breakup. We don't have this like formality to know like when in some way, like we're, I don't want to know if it's, if it's, you know, we're freed from the, the commitment. Cause I guess we don't make, some of these commitments like we do in a marriage, but we sure make them unsaid and unconsciously. Mm, yeah. So I think that that's why it's also hard for people too, because sometimes there isn't this closure and, and uh, you know, for us being counselors and helping people move through relationships, closure is so important. Yeah. I wish people would just do it a little more. <laughs> no, I, I certainly agree with that. And, you know, I think you're, you're, you're absolutely right. There's that identity, like, you know, whenever you're, if you're married and you're going through that stage of separation and divorce, there's a shift in identity, you know, it's no longer married, Bob, you know, it's, um, you know, recently divorced or single, whatever that new identity is, which supports us in our journey of reaching closure and moving forward. Whereas in these platonic relationships, you know, there's no court to go to for, you know, a platonic divorce. Uh, not yet. Hopefully there's, there's you know, yeah. there shouldn't be, <laughs> yeah. um, but, but with that, there's still that identity that we, we, we think about, you know, we were blank's best friend. And when we go out, you know, people say, Hey, where's blank, blank, blank. And, and, and it's that, it's that same thing. It's that reminder of what was versus what it's now. Yeah. Cause a lot of times that breakup is just maybe an argument and they don't talk again or, um, just slowly, you know, dissipate. And so there's still, it's hanging a lot. And, and I think when, when relationships hang, that doesn't serve us, that's not really for our well-being. that, that energy is out there and there isn't a process. And sometimes I help people walk through a kind of a meditation of cutting the cords, like etherical cords that we have with people, you know, we're in relationship and have them, envision these cords that might be tied to us, whether it's, you know, chest to chest, throat to throat, whatever it is, and that we cut the cord in our meditation. Sometimes that cord could 
visionary could a flower could come out a pus could come out maybe you need a bowl cutter to cut it instead of a little scissors but i think it's empowering that we at times do the cutting energetically and not just let it happen by happenstance yeah giving yourself that permission to do it i love that exercise i'm gonna have to borrow that one from you <laughs> yeah you got it man <laughs> but you're you're absolutely right you know that sense of permission sets us free mm -hmm. i think too a lot of a lot of us may struggle with change you know change is that hot topic in psychology people don't like change struggle with change i don't want to change whether it's a new house or relationship or a job but but it happens right we wouldn't be where we're at without the changes that have taken place and, and sometimes we forget that you know something beautiful takes place after change embracing it allows us to not let that fruit just hang there and approach it, give ourselves permission to say, Hey, it's ready to, you know, cut that limb and let a new one grow. That's right. Yeah. Sweet, man. I appreciate this conversation. There's a lot to it, but I'm really glad that we took the chance to venture in and, and share with each other our thoughts on it. Cause it's a topic that, uh, people aren't, aren't really addressing that is uh, that needs to be navigated and really understood and allow, like you said before, allow that grieving process to cry it out, to allow yourself to feel those emotions, but then therapeutically on your own or with help to really move through that so you can free up the energy to re-engage in, in other healthier relationships. So I really appreciate it, Juan. And yeah, absolutely. Sweet. So I'll let you, uh, I know you said that uh, you, your wife was warming up and you were smelling that dinner and it's dinner time for you. <laughs> I was right before we popped in. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get on her good side and, and hopefully we're, we're ending in the timing that you told her. So she'll like me now and say, yeah, people's good at timing. Dinner's ready. So, cool. There we go. Smart move. That's, a, that's, a, that's how we start friendships. <laughs> there we go. Exactly. And it is, I, I, I can feel this nice rapport that, you know, we had a phone conversation and a little bit back and forth on a text but having this longer conversation and it felt really nice to how we gave each other room and so i would love to do this again yeah yeah me too mm -hmm. very appreciative yeah man before we go is there anything that you want um, our listeners to know uh, about you we'll have show notes and links but anything that you're juiced about and and uh, what you want them to know about about what you're doing yeah. Um, you know, one of the things from the conversation that I would love if people are able to kind of sit on for a while and hopefully apply, you're, you're all able to have the relationships that you deserve. It's just taking time. You know, as people mentioned, you know, a lot of us don't get relationship 101. You know, half the, you know, half, half the things that I know I learned because I went to a graduate school, like a mental health program, right? So learn how to communicate how to build relationships in a healthy way and, and all that good jazz. I think it's important to give yourself the gift to take time so that you can be in the relationships that you want to be in and not continue to be in relationships where you're just waiting for it to fall off or to die off. Um, I have a practice uh, located in Greensboro, North Carolina, which is pretty close to where you're at. Um, if you ever you know, want to chat uh, or need support, whether it's through me or someone in that area, uh, you're more than welcome to reach out. Uh, the website is santoscounseling.com. Um, and there's all the information on there, you know, lots of helpful videos, uh, blog posts, uh, or uh, you can work with one of the counselors. I appreciate, you know, all of y'all taking time out of your day. I'm sure you got things to do and places to go, but it's a really nice kindness that you're doing to spend time here with Prepo and I. Mm -hmm. And we'll have all that uh, more information on the show notes if people want to get to the links and, and check you out. So cool. All right, man. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank All you. Right. All right, brother. You take care. You too. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this conversation on friendship breakups and that you got something out of it to help you navigate if this was something that you've experienced or are experiencing. And it warms my heart when I get feedback uh, from people that are listening to my podcast telling me that the information is helping them navigate their life and their relationship in a, 
more healthy and balanced way. That just really warms my heart. I'm really glad that I can contribute in that way. So just want to tell you a few other things that might be beneficial for you. Uh, you can check out my website, prepo.com. I have some guided audios that you can check out. You can also contact me about my counseling and consulting services that I am doing online via video or phone. You can contact me through my website, prepo.com. So I mentioned that I like to sing some verses of some songs sometimes on my podcast. And I have the original songs on a playlist called Prepo's Podcast Playlist. And if you'd like to check those out, you can look in the show notes and there's a link to that. And don't forget to leave us a review on especially Apple Podcast. Check me out on Instagram at Prepo Toplitsky. Thank you, everybody. I hope that you are finding moments of peace, moments of contentment, moments of self-compassion, and also connection. Healthy, human, intimate, authentic connection is so vital at this time in our lives. Sending you all lots of love. I hope you make yourselves a beautiful day. Relationships. Let's talk about it is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting, PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Thank you.